We have such a plethora of programs that you can come in at an entry-level position and once you work your way up, if that specific program doesn't have a place to promote you into, you can be promoted into another program. So you can move to another project and still be promoted. So I really like the fact that they concentrate and hone in on really doing what's best for our employees, trying to keep them happy and move them up through their career. Welcome to Security Cleared Jobs, Who's Hiring and How, the podcast for cleared professionals looking for new opportunities and career advice. We go behind the scenes with recruiters and hiring managers from leading cleared employers to uncover the information you need to make a smart career move. Get ready for insights from this week's guest and your hosts, Kathleen Smith and Rachel Bozeman. Hello everyone, it's Kathleen and I am still enjoying a very full, wonderful tummy from a favorite holiday of mine, Thanksgiving. Rachel, how was your family gathering this holiday season? Fantastic. I'm actually still wearing my fat pants. Good food, good family, good time. And on that note, I don't know about you, but I am super thankful to be back with our listeners out there. (laughs) Yes, we did miss you very much. We welcome to the show today, Tammy Muncy, Recruiting Director of the National Security Sector at Gov. CIO. Happy belated Thanksgiving and welcome, Tammy. So Tammy, we know that you have climbed the recruiting ladder having a whole host of different type of positions. Tell us a little bit about how you climbed that ladder and a little bit about your career journey. So I kind of fell into recruiting. I had a little bit of HR background, um, worked with a closed area at Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab, um, worked with a host of programs, a lot of government contracting and Department of Defense. Um, I reviewed resumes and did part of it. I didn't do a lot of onboarding. And then um, I moved to Florida and I took a position as a recruiter and pretty much loved it from the minute I started, the whole full cycle part of it. And I worked on a couple programs and then moved on to some bigger programs. And then I moved into a manager and very quickly moved into director. So I'm very fortunate, but I think it's because I really love the work. That's really great. I think when people find the groove of the kind of recruiting that they want to do, it's just really fabulous. So I can really hear that passion in your voice. So GovCIO serves three sectors, veteran and enterprise technology, health and civilian and national security, where you are the recruiting director. What are the types of cleared positions you are hiring for in the national security sector? Primarily, um, our about 80% of our positions are going to fall into IT positions, such as cybersecurity specialists, network systems engineers, cloud administrators, and we also have some intel positions. Um, the remaining, 20, remaining 20% are typically program or project management, logistics, business analysts, and things of that nature, but heavy IT. Wonderful. And interestingly enough, since the pandemic, people have been talking about where positions are located because, you know, we had this real estate boom going on in various different places. So where are most of the national security positions located? So we have a presence all over the U.S., including some overseas and OCONUS positions in Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Qatar, a lot of Middle East on a couple of our programs. But as far as stateside, our biggest presence is the National Capital Region, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, um, also Texas, San Antonio, Lackland Air Force Base. We're growing our presence in Tampa Bay area in Florida. But we do have um, positions and a small presence in various um, states, California, Vermont, quite a few. 
Tell me a little bit more about the positions in Vermont. This is the first time I've ever heard about Vermont. Oh, so we have a, um, a really large program um, on the national security sector, and it's through the Department of Immigration. And we have IT field representatives, um, levels one, two, three, and some systems administrators and uh, telecommunications administrators or installers all over the U.S., all 50 states, and Vermont being one of them. Um, we also have Nebraska, Missouri, Montana, Hawaii, Washington, that particular program, we have positions probably, I want to say, in almost all 50 states. Wow. We usually talk about positions just being in some concentrated areas. You did mention one of my favorite places, San Antonio, since we have a great community there and we do our job fairs down there as well. But Rachel, what's what's your next question? Well, I was just going to say, Vermont, you heard it here first. Line on up. They're looking for you. So right. <laughs> everybody loves Vermont, right? So mm-hmm. quick question for you, Tammy. What would you say is probably the greatest cleared hiring need that you have right now? One of our biggest needs is developers um, as far as it's, we're seeing a trend toward AWS cloud security, cloud administration, developers. There's kind of like a shift in IT. So developers with a clearance are, and software programmers with a clearance are a little harder and more challenging, um, a little harder to find. Um, we can find developers and software programmers that are highly qualified, but they're missing that cleared piece. So marrying the two of those together is our, one of our biggest needs right now. We also have needs for network engineers and um, increasing daily with cybersecurity roles. And are any of those ones that you just are really feeling the pressure to like, I don't know, fill maybe yesterday? (laughs) Developers. Yes. Developers. All day. (laughs) All day, every day. So Vermont and developers, step up. Yes. For you. (laughs) Yes. And we do have, we do need an ISO, an ISSO in um, Hurlbert Field, Florida, which is a big challenge right now. I think it's location, but. Well, I don't know. Just saying the name of the town was a little bit of a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Hurlbert. I have to roll right off the tongue. Love it. Yes. (laughs) Hurlbert. Yes. 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 You got to get that L in there. <laughs> so, you know, we talk a lot in our podcast about culture and how people are going to fit and grow and succeed at a company. So what types of cleared professionals are really going to succeed and grow at GovCIO? I think that some that are totally mission focused, like for in a team environment, because we're um, the smaller company, you get that family team environment vibe working together for the common goal. And I know that's pretty much standard across all companies, but I feel like with the Department of Defense and the types of contracts we have and being a smaller business, I feel like they get that sense of family and mission accomplished type of feel, if you will. One of the best things about our culture is we do really promote and try to work with transitioning military a lot. Um, and of course, a cleared environment is another talent pool of of candidates that we work with. I really believe that transitioning military settle in quite well with our culture because we are we we heavily participate in veterans events, hiring of veterans, transitioning military. Predominantly, our sector has like majority is um, retired or ex-military. The other thing about our culture, and one thing that I um, am really pleased with, is the promoting from within. So 
we have such a plethora of programs that you can come in at an entry-level position. And once you work your way up, if that specific program doesn't have a place to promote you into, you can be promoted into another program. So you can move to another project and still be promoted. So I really like the fact that they concentrate and hone in on really doing what's best for our employees, trying to keep them happy and move them up through their career. That's awesome. Love it. So I don't want to go backwards, but I want to go backwards just a smidge and talk about kind of where we started the conversation, your career journey, climbing up that ladder. And one of the things that you mentioned was one of those rungs was when you were working for the, as a security rep at Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory. So I know we are going back in time a little bit, but I'm sure uh-huh. you still have um, just some familiarity with that process and, and some of those different tips and tricks. So in particular, are there any tips that you can share when it relates to security clearances? The best advice I think that I can give people is always to be aware and conscious of when your periodic reinvestigation is due, what was the date of the last one, when it's going to come up again. You don't want to quit a position, change a program, or drop your papers to transfer out of the military unless you're sure about where you are in the standing. We've seen many people that um, have applied for like a TSSCI position and we run their clearance and it says they only have a secret and they're shocked because when they came out of the military, they were working on TSSCI projects, but because their PR was due in that transition period from active duty to civilian, it was uh, downgraded because it was due for PR. So the biggest piece of advice is to make sure that you have all of that you, and you know where it is. Is it in J-Pass? Is it in Scattered Castles? Like exactly what the details are of your clearance, dates, PR dates. Um, I think that's very important. I know when I do several of the transition classes for various different agencies, I have to tell them the same thing. It's like, you are now responsible. You are now yes. the true owner of it. You have to know who has it, where they have it, the dates, the times, everything. And even when someone's moving from one job to another at a different government, a different government contractor, they're like, they don't understand. Yes, somebody else holds it. But it is your responsibility to sort of keep the dates, keep, you know, the processes, understand where that all is. I mean. Yeah, it's almost a foreign um, process to clearance holders. Right. And only the only reason that I am familiar with it is because I deal with the process on a daily basis and I've seen it happen. And it's really sad because, you know, you, you have to be sponsored to get an upgrade, to get it back. And, and that can be challenging, too. So it's. It's one of those things I think that is gray area with the transitioning military. Can you sort of parlay that a little bit into if someone was considering, say, leaving company XY and coming to work for you, what things should they do on their end before they consider moving from one government contractor to the next? I would get in touch with my FSO and just double check and say, hey, you know, I I forgot you know, when my PR was due, can you give me the, give me the details? And that way they kind of have a general idea because if you're in the middle of PR, I like to equate it. I'm very visual. So I like to equate it to standing in line at the deli counter and your number comes up. And if you've run off to get something, they're going to go past you and you have to go to the back of the line. It's kind of the same with clearance. If they pull your number to do your PR and nobody's caging it yet because you're transitioning from one job to another, you could get into some trouble. 
Yeah, getting getting that bag of barbecue potato chips is always going to cause you trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's like when they call your number, you know, when your PR comes up, you have to be in line because if you're not and nobody's sponsoring it at that split second, there is a big chance that you could drop it or get it um, reduced to a lower level. And it's not something easy to come by like the deli counter. It's, <laughs> it's way <laughs> it's way more difficult to, to get a government clearance picked up and, and upgraded than it is to to do your thing at the store. Yeah. So I understand you also have some remote hybrid work at the you know secret level. I think about 30% of your portfolio is that. I'm sure everyone is dying to hear about that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Hybrid and, well, remote work in general has become a very popular trend since 2020. And a lot of people can work from home. I think it's important and it's surprising that the cleared world the realization that there's a lot of work in the cleared environment that cannot be done from home. You have to go into a closed area, which is why we have skiffs. You have to, to go into the office. So we have a hybrid remote, which is you are going to work 60%, 70% at home. It varies by program. Sometimes it's 70-30. Sometimes you just have to be able to go into the office when the client wants specific meetings, which may be once a week, once a month. But hybrid meaning you are primarily going to work from home, but you do need to be able to go into the office when needed, as needed. And the other part to that is sometimes it's hybrid specific to an area because you have to be within commuting distance. So a lot of our hybrid remote or the national capital region, you have to be within commuting distance to, let's just say, Alexandria, Virginia. So you can be anywhere in the national capital region. You can work from home, but you need to be in commuting distance. And then sometimes that commuting distance is a variable. If you want to drive two hours, one hour, and that can be worked out between the hiring manager or the program and the, the candidate, but it has to be like a reasonable commuting distance to where the office is. And this is one of those silver linings that I've been calling it on the podcast to the pandemic, that we were really forced to have this discussion between customers and agencies and contractors as to, okay, can we create other options? And I really love this hybrid remote. So it's great to hear that you've got that. Now, you were mentioning earlier about you thought that transitioning military would work really well. Can you just talk a little bit more about why you think transitioning military personnel would acclimate better in a smaller company versus, say, a larger company? Um, I'm basing that just on an opinion of feedback that I've gotten. We work with a lot of transitioning military. I think that it all depends on the individual because I don't I don't feel like you can classify all transitioning military will acclimate better in a smaller company. I think that a lot will. A, a lot of people will because of the structure. However, there are people that are looking to escape structure when they leave. It just depends on the personality. So I do think that it does depend on the personality, but I also think that a smaller company is a good platform to start before you venture out into large companies. But of course, I'm a little partial. (laughs) (laughs) Partial is good. Partial is great. (laughs) Well, and the other part to that too is they kind of get, you get coached along, you know, you're not kind of thrown into the middle and sink or swim type of environment, you have other transitioned militaries, other people that have been where you are. We have like a heavy, um, a lot of our employees are transitioning military. So they know where you're coming from. They know how to mentor. And so you kind of get like a sense of, oh yeah, we all know what you're going through. And so it's, it seems to me that that would be a little bit of a stepping stone when you're coming out of one environment to another. Great advice. So 
also great advice, and it could be definitely mealtime where you're at, where we're listening, but we've talked about the deli line, and I want to transition <laughs> over and talk about meat and potatoes. And you know where I'm going, Tammy. I am talking about <laughs> some resume <laughs> advice with meat and potatoes. And because it is lunchtime here right now, um, I want to make sure that I clearly understand what you mean by meat and potatoes of a resume. So could you paint that picture or set that plate for us a little more clearly on what you mean by meat and potatoes? Sure. That's the advice that I usually give um, to candidates, especially when I would work with um, some of the TAPS programs and the transitioning military, and they, they would always ask me for input. What I think is that when you're doing a resume, it's the fluff, you need to leave out the fluff, which I like to call the appetizers or the side items, and get strictly to the meat and potatoes. What have you done? What are you good at? What did you do? What experience do you have? What hands-on? Um, for example, if you're a manager, it's pretty much assumed that you approve 20 timesheets. That's not really necessary to be on there. And I would tailor the meat and potatoes of the job description in the requisition to the meat and potatoes of what your resume needs to be. So when you read a job requisition and you're like, oh, I've done that, I've done that, is it reflected on your resume? Because oftentimes we get a resume and it's kind of vague. And then we send it over to the hiring manager like, well, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, they hit most of the quals. Can you just give them a, an interview? And then they'll talk to them and say, oh, my gosh, rock star candidate. They're, they know so much. They have so much experience, exactly what I'm looking for. But they almost didn't interview them because the resume was not heavy-handed with exactly what they knew and what they were doing. So basically brag, if you will, on those things and cut a little bit of the fluff out. Also move your clearance to the very top of the resume because you don't want to get it passed over. If they have to dig, if a, if a recruiter has to dig and deep down into your resume or go to the bottom and it's hidden somewhere, it needs to be at the very top, in my opinion. Preach, sister. It gets looked at quicker. It gets I looked at quicker. Yes. We've all been there, done that. And sometimes you read and you're like, well, yes. why did you just post your job description? I need to know what you've done. So I think that's great yes. advice, really just focusing on those. What relevant skills do you have? Making it easy, all of that. Anything else that you think would be especially pertinent for our transitioning military when it comes to tailoring or crafting their resumes? So I don't think that any of the recruiters, at least not on my team, I don't think any of us look at the summary. I would literally put clearance, availability, and any kind of certifications that you have, education, all at the top. Because basically, if you look at the qualifications of the requisition, and it says you need a security plus, a top secret clearance, and five years of experience, then we're going to look at your resume and go, do they have the clearance? Yes. Check. Security plus check, and then we dig into the to the edge of the experience or the education that's required. So I would put all necessities, everything that's listed in the mandatory quals of a requisition. I would make sure that I hit that at the very top because then they're going to dig in and count up your experience and see what you know how to do. But if you don't make the cut at the top and they got to look forward and look down at the bottom or in the middle somewhere, um, it just makes it easier to put yours on the top. Now that I'm hungry, uh, <laughs> meat and potatoes, where's the gravy? Don't put too much gravy exactly. on that resume. Don't put too much gravy on that. So That's true. I, <laughs> That's true too. So, Tammy, how can our listeners get in touch with you? So my email is tammy.muncie at govcio.com. It's Tammy with a Y, T-A-M-M-Y 
dot m-u-n-c-y at govcio.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and please feel free to connect with me. Sounds great. Thanks, Tammy. Well, that was interesting. I learned a lot from Tammy at GovCIO. I really liked how she talked about their remote positions are hybrid. I thought that that was really fascinating. And the fact that, you know, we've talked about that a lot on our conversations with other recruiters, but we really haven't been very specific. So I'm really glad she sort of talked about how they went through the process of creating remote hybrid positions and explaining what that was. Rachel, what did you learn from Tammy today? Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. And I absolutely loved just kind of the imagery behind making sure you're doing your due diligence when it comes to your clearances. You know, whether it's thinking of it standing in the deli line, like don't let your number be called and you're not in line. Um, And just the kind of the pragmatic and just simple way of thinking of how to outline your resume. I know everyone's sick of hearing advice on resumes, but they're not taking it. And this was such a simple way to remember, just keep it simple. Um, Give us what we want because, you know, Thanksgiving has passed and now we know you just wanted the turkey, you just wanted the ham, but let's, let's save the calories and not eat the gravy, right? Right. <laughs> Have we told you lately that we love you? See, I get to sing again. On that melodic note, please rate, review, and subscribe our show. See you next time. And if you do subscribe, she won't sing again. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs>